Good morning, I'm Jane Tucker. Today we will be reading from Malachi 1, 2 through 5, which can be found on page 801 in the Pew Bible. Malachi 1, 2 through 5. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jane. Kids, we're really happy to have you guys in here with us. And you sh- there is uh, kids' packets in the back. It's kind of like Chipotle. It's like a build-your-own kids' meal, kids' packet back there. So if you need to head back there, if you haven't already, you can grab a uh, kids' packet and uh, follow along even with there. You'll see a, a graph on there with circles, and you can use that circle to follow along uh, with the sermon today. I'll explain that as, as we go along. So if you want to do that, uh, you got that in front of you. Today, we come to the final minor prophet in our sermon series through these minor prophets. Over these last couple of months, we've seen together that the minor prophets give us different perspectives on who God is and how he relates to us. In these minor prophets, we've seen God's holiness and his judgment on sin. We've seen our human tendency towards unfaithfulness, but God is still there calling his people to himself. We've seen this struggle of how do we think about God? What do we think about God in the midst of injustice and human suffering? Overall, what we've seen in these short, brief books written by these prophets thousands of years ago is that they still, even though they were written thousands of years ago, they're still very relevant to us, and we're going to see the same thing here in Malachi. Just as a preview for what's coming up, Next week, we'll start a sermon series through talking about gospel foundations from Colossians. Every January, we try to remind ourselves of who we are here at Hope, what we're trying to do with our philosophy of ministry. And the beautiful thing is our philosophy of ministry is really not that unique. We don't think we've cornered the market on anything uh, here at Hope, but our philosophy of ministry comes from Colossians 3 and 4. So what you can do and, and to kind of prepare your hearts and minds Uh, for that uh, sermon series is is start reading through Colossians this week. We're also going to be reading through the New Testament together this year of 2024. So as you came in, you hopefully received a reading guide. You can start reading through the the New Testament with us this next year. And also this year, we're going to have some uh, reading guides uh, aimed in some specific ways sprinkled throughout the year. So there's where we're going uh, with reading guides. So I hope you can follow along with us. Uh, But today in Malachi, we're going to see how we have this human tendency to doubt the love and faithfulness of God. And as we doubt and forget the the love and faithfulness of God, what then what we do is we turn inwards, which distorts our view of God, ourselves, and others. So Malachi the prophet lived about 100 years after the Israelites returned from the Babylonian exile. 
And his message was directed at the people of Israel who had been living in Jerusalem for some time. They've been back for about 100 years. And when they returned from exile, these people, they had high hopes to rebuild their lives, which would be normal. We would think that would, they would want that. They, would, they wanted to rebuild their lives. They wanted to worship again in the temple. There were hopes that all the promises that God had communicated through the prophets would be fulfilled. There was hope that the Messiah would come and set up God's kingdom over a unified Israel and bring justice and peace. But as we know, in between Malachi and the Gospels, there was 400 more years of silence. So from returning from exile, there was a lot of hope from the people of Israel. But as they repopulated Jerusalem, they proved to, to be just as faithful to, to, unfaithful to God as their ancestors. And in Malachi, we just see just how sinful and corrupt this new generation of Israel had become. The book of Malachi is set up and divided into series of disputes between God and, and Israel. Most of the, the, of the disputes begin with God making an accusation against Israel They'll disagree with God. They'll argue with God with what he was saying, and then God would respond. This happens six times in Malachi. And the overall idea that we can have from these arguments that the people of Israel have with God, these disputes, is that the exiles really didn't change anything. Because Israel had come out of the exiles and experienced great suffering, instead of the suffering and exiles that would hopefully purify their hearts and move them towards holiness and generosity, they forgot God's love and began to focus on themselves, and they took on a posture of selfishness. Because what happens in our human nature is if we're not careful, when we can experience suffering, we can go through moments of feeling like we are in exile, we can go through moments of grief, and if we're not careful, we can miss how God is moving towards us relationally and how he loves, cares, and provides for us. Yes, it's okay to ask God hard question and questions. In fact, I believe he welcomes that. Like, I hope it's okay to ask God hard questions. God is also big enough, I've even experienced it in my own life, that God is also big enough to hang, handle our anger when we suffer. And he provides ways for us to express that. And God doesn't shy away or run from our anger. But if we're not careful, as we go through suffering or times where we feel like we are going through an exile, we can begin to fold in in places in our hearts and begin to get inwardly focused to where we miss how God loves us. He extends grace towards us, and he wants us to participate with him in his gener generosity. And maybe we can even begin to subtly, implicitly begin to be malformed and believe that God's kingdom exists just for us, and that God should run the universe as we would. So my hope today is that as we really quickly walk through the book of Malachi, that the Holy Spirit would expose to us the places of our hearts where we have forgotten God's love, where we have turned inward, and with his help from the Spirit, we would be refocused to a heart of generosity. So kids, in your kids' packet that has the scripture for today, there's, there's a big circle of five circles inside it. Do you see that there? You got it? 
So you're gonna, you can use that to follow along with the sermon. I'll give you the words or pictures to draw within those circles. I think they're going to be up on the screen, at, and you can put them in each of the circles. So we, we'll use that to kind of be an outline to help us follow along. And then we're going to use these circles at the end, those circles within the big circle, to help us see through the disputes of Malachi what happens when we forget God's love and faithfulness to us. To us. So the first dispute that between God and the people of Israel and Malachi is in Malachi 1, 2 through 5, which we just heard read. And in this dispute, God tells Israel, I still love you. Even though you've been unfaithful, I still love you. But Israel objects and asks, how have you shown us love? So God reminds them of how he chose the family of Jacob, their ancestors, to carry out his covenant promises. So in this dispute, God, is, ex- God is, ex- is exposing Israel's suspicion and doubting God's love and faithfulness. So in that first circle, kids, or adults, if you want to follow along too, you can do that too. You can write God's love and faithfulness in that first outer circle. Or if you prefer, you can draw a heart in that first outer circle. So as we doubt God's love, is that up there? Oh, there it is. All right, it's working. Great. So as we doubt God's love and faithfulness, what happens is it distorts everything. And that's the lie from the garden, right? In the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, Satan planted the thought in Adam and Eve's heart of, does God really love me? Does God care about me? And what happened, and what happens for, what happened for Adam and Eve and what happens for us as we, for, as we forget God's love what he has done for us, it causes us to have a distorted or clouded view of both God and ourselves. And what we do is we forget what it means to be us. There's a loss of identity. And so what we do as a self-preservation strategy is we fold in and turn inwards. So then the second dispute that we see in Malachi is in chapter 1, verse 6 through chapter 2, verse 9. And in this second dispute, God accuses the people for despising and polluting the worship of him in the temple. Because God says in verse 8 of chapter 1, you offer animals that are blind, they're lame, they're sick. But it's not just the people that are diluting the worship of God, it also was the priests as well. God goes goes on to tell the people, he says, you wouldn't present this sacrifice or this gift to your governor or a political leader. Yet you ask me for favor, but my name will be made great and worshipped among the nations. So because the people and priests of Israel had forgotten God's love, it it began to result in half-hearted worship. Yes, they were worshiping God and offering sacrifices, but it was basically them just going through the motions. So in the next ring there, on your sheet, you can write the word worship. Or you can draw an arrow pointing up in that circle if you prefer. So that as we forget God's love, it begins to affect our worship. Because if our view of God's love gets distorted, we then focus on our own wants, needs, desires, and preferences. And of course, that would naturally affect our worship. There will definitely be times when we need to care for ourselves where we go through suffering and exile, where we may need to rest, heal, say no to things, catch our breath, and that can actually be an act of worship. 
But if we lose balance with that self-care, it can begin to malform our worship to where we can begin to embrace worship of self or embrace just going through the motions of worship or cultivating a heart of worship out of duty instead of desire. So with the help of Christ in us, we need to ask ourselves, where have I been half-hearted in my worship? Am I just going through the motions? Because signs of that could be uh, a tired soul, a critical spirit, a lack of generosity. But the good news is that Jesus meets us there, and in his kindness, Jesus thaws out those cold places of our hearts that have grown cold towards him because of our inward focus and forgetfulness of God's love. All right, let's move to the third dispute. We see this third dispute in Malachi is in chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. And we see that because Israel doubted God's love, it began to malform their relationships. In this third dispute, God accuses the men of Israel of turning against him and their wives. And Israel asks God, how come we don't have favor with you? And God tells Israel in verse 14 that they've been faith, faithless to their wives. And so what God does in this third dispute is he exposes the toxic culture that was taking place in marriages in Israel. Because you had some Israelite men marrying women that were worshiping idols adopting, and adopting those idols as their own. Then on the other side, you had men who were divorce, divorcing their wives for no good reason, and the people of Israel were just fine with it. And so in Malachi 2, God connects these two practices of idolatry and breaking the marriage covenant. So because of Israel's distorted view of God's love and faithfulness towards them, it began to malform their relationships. So in that next circle, as we keep moving inwards on these layers, kids, you can write the word relationships. Or if you're an artist, I'm not, so mine would have stick figures you can, write, you can draw a picture of two people standing next to each other. Because as we forget God's love and faithfulness towards us, it distorts and messes up our relationships. Especially those closest to us. Those relationships will get really messy. Because we're starting to see that a distorted view of God's love leads to an inward focus that can really be defined as a lack of generosity and selfishness. And so, of course, it would really mess with our relationships because selfishness relationally leads to taking advantage of the people closest to us. Maybe we shut down and we put up walls. An overall lack of trust is then developed. And when we put our own needs, time, focus, and energy ahead of those closest to us, then an undercurrent of mistrust begins to move. Most of our problems relationally can be traced back to a root of an inward focus and a lack of trust in God. So again, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we have to ask, how are the places of my heart where I'm forgetting and doubting God's love malforming my relationships? Then as those things rise to the surface, we own them, We confess them to God and those we're in relationship with and ask for help and healing. The fourth dispute in Malachi is in chapter 2, verse 17 through chapter 3 through 15. The Israelites accuse God of neglect 
because they see injustice and corruption going on. But God says, wait, you want to see justice. You want to see injustice reversed, but you're robbing me by not giving in support of the temple. Because Israel had forgotten God's faithfulness and love towards them, they had turned inward, and that had skewed their view of right and wrong. Yes, they wanted to see the end of injustice and corruption, and God does remind them that he will send his messenger to prepare for the Messiah's return, but yet they would not follow the command to support the temple. And because of that, that, because of that the temple was falling into disrepair. So on one hand, the people of Israel cared about injustice— but they were robbing from God at the same time. So the next circle you can fill in, in as you write is you can write the words right and wrong with a question mark. Or you can draw a check mark with an X next to it. Because what happens when we have an inward focus and we forget God's love and faithfulness towards us is that we begin to question what is right and wrong and it compromises our ethics. When we doubt God's faithfulness and have an inward focus, we can begin to rely on our own experience, our own feelings, what we desire to skew the way we view right and wrong, and it plays out with us playing ethical mental gymnastics of, I need to make these good grades, so I'm going to cheat on the test, of I need to make more money, so I'm going to fudge on these numbers and cook the books a little bit. You might want your spouse to be happy with you so you can feel secure and happy in your relationship. So what you do is you withhold yourself and what is going on in your heart or tell them what they want to hear or do just enough to get by. An inward focus causes us to question what God clearly explains is right and wrong. And then the fourth dispute flows right into this fifth dispute in Malachi 3, 6 through 12 where God calls his people to to turn back to him. But the people respond with him, okay, you want us to return back to you, but how do we do this? And so God confronts them with their lack of generosity and how they 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 had stopped tithing to the temples they were supposed to and commanded in Leviticus 27. Because of their ethical corruption and robbing from God and their stinginess, the temple had fallen into disrepair. So in the next to last circle, you can write in treasure, or if you really are artistic, you can write a treasure box in that next to last circle. Because Israel doubted God's love and faithfulness and embraced an inward focus, they cut off their financial treasure and were no longer generous. Because as we doubt God's love and faithfulness towards us and we develop an inward focus, what it causes us to do is hold, to hold on too tightly to our resources. As God's people, we are called to good stewardship of what he has provided to us, but an inward focus fosters a spirit of stinginess and lack of generosity. An inward focus shows itself in how we consume rather than give. And that plays out in so many ways in how we give of our time, of how we take advantage of opportunities more than serving, of how we spend our money or hoard it rather than holding what we have with open hands. 
Our resources are something that we over and over again ask them to do what they cannot. Just like Pastor Chris showed us last week, uh, everything has a hole in it, with a bucket with a hole in it. Our resources is one of those buckets with a hole in it. And we ask those resources to do things over and over again what they can't do. And they really reveal the ways that we have turned inwards. Jesus even talked like this in Matthew. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we feel safe when we have a certain dollar amount in our bank account. We feel affirmed based on the house or car we have or what school our kids go to. We feel like we are in control when we hold on to what we give our time to. So we ask our resources to meet needs that we have. And so we turn inwards with them and we move further and further away from generosity. So we have to ask God to move us into a deep understanding that a relationship with Christ is the only place that we can truly experience safety. That a relationship with Christ is the only place where we will truly feel affirmed and where we will truly find freedom in giving control to him. The final dispute of Malachi is found in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. In this sixth and final dispute, God's people say it's pointless to serve God because they see wicked and prideful people succeeding and God does nothing. And the response back from God is a little bit different than his other responses in Malachi. Instead of a, a sermon or a speech, God tells them a story. He tells them a story of a faithful remnant of people of Israel who fear him. They love to gather together and worship and serve God. So God has them write a scroll. A scroll is basically a, a piece of paper rolled up, almost like a piece of paper rolled up on a rolling pin is how I think of it. And God has them write a scroll to help them remember how he has been faithful to them, to remind them of his character and the promises and his love and faithfulness to them and how they will then proclaim his glory to all the nations. So in this dispute, we see that because of forgetting God's love and faithfulness, Israel forgot what the kingdom of God was all about. They had thought that the kingdom was for them, not for all people. So in that middle circle, you can write kingdom of God or draw a crown. Because like Israel, when we forget God's faithfulness, and love for us, and we move towards being inwardly focused, we begin to believe that the kingdom of God is for us. And the reality of believing of that lie is that we embrace a king, instead of embracing a kingdom of God, we embrace a kingdom of self. We think that the, that we think the kingdom of all of where God rules and reigns exists just for us. We begin to think that God should run the universe like we would. And so to, to receive healing from an inward focus takes humility, a posture of surrender, and yieldedness to what God is doing and moving towards joining him in it. Because in reality, forgetting God's love and faithfulness, what it does is it inverts our understanding of who God is and what he is about. So my daughter, Anna, has this toy, and she calls it a poppet. I, I, that's, what, so that's what I start to call it. I don't know if that's the right name for it, but at our house, 
we call this a poppet. It's made of rubber. You can push these pieces of rubber in and out. It's kind of fun to uh, get rid of some nervous energy, I guess. And it inverts and it pops into place and you can do it back and forth. So over the last couple of weeks, as I've been thinking about our human tendency to forget God's love and have it distorted and how it inverts our understanding of God's kingdom, I began to think about these poppets. See, when we forget God's love, it begins to pop everything out of place and it distorts our understanding of his love. So what happens as we forget God's love and faithfulness and the poppet of our hearts gets out of line and out of place, it begins to show itself in half-hearted worship. It shows up in us just going through the motions of worship. As we forget God's love and, and the poppet of our heart gets out of place, it malforms our relationships. Our view of right and wrong gets distorted, our ethics an inward focus, that part of our heart, the poppet of our heart, gets turned inside out and it causes us to be stingy with our resources or our treasure. And like this poppet, when we forget God's faithfulness, our whole understanding of who God is and what he is about gets turned inside out. But the good news is this. Jesus came to realign the poppets of our hearts. Those places of our hearts where we have forgotten God's love and faithfulness to us. Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross and be resurrected to heal us of our human tendency to forget God's love and to turn inwards in all the ways that these poppets play out in our lives. Because the prophet Malachi closes out this book in Malachi 4.2 by saying, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And so Jesus came so that in those times when we doubt God's love and our hearts are popped inside out, he says, no, 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 no. God loves you. Hear how he's loved you. Jesus came to remind us over and over and over of God's love and to pop our hearts back into place. So how does that make us feel? How does that, how does that affect our everyday lives? It means that as we consider what Christ has done for us, we can worship not bound by duty, but with desire. Because the work of Jesus, we can have life-giving relationships and connection with people closest to us. As we know and experience God's love, we can be aligned with him and know the truth and what is right and wrong. Because Jesus has been generous with us and saved us, we don't have to hold on tightly to our resources, but we can be generous as he is generous. And because of the work of Christ, we can begin to see the kingdom of God, how it really is, and, how it, and experience how it's supposed to be designed, and to capture a fresh vision of God's love for us. What would that look like in each of our lives? What would it look like for us to catch a fresh vision for God's love for us, to surrender and be transformed 
and have the places of our hearts where we've been popped out of place to have that popped back in by Christ. Because Jesus has provided this for us. Jesus has provided that realignment for us and shows us the love of God. And so as we close, if you would, turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me. Or if you prefer, I've kind of moved into this stage recently of I love having scripture just read over me. And so maybe if you find your soul in that place, maybe you want to sit there and you can just close your eyes and just hear this word from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 and how Jesus has realigned and provided realignment in our hearts. But Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And he found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Which is why we take communion every week. To remind us of how Jesus shows how much God loves you to remind us how Jesus came to pop the places of our hearts back into place and how he provides, provides change from our selfishness, stinginess, and inward focus. Would you pray with me? In just a moment, our worship team is going to come and sing, and we're going to come and take communion. There will be servers here at the front. We'll have a gluten-free station right here in front of the podium. We'll also have some folks who will be in the hallway right outside this room who will be there to, to pray with you if you're in need of prayer. But as we come and take communion, let's together be reminded of G how Jesus has realigned our hearts so we can truly experience the kingdom of God in our lives. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for coming, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for because of your blood shed for us, you provide healing for the parts of our hearts and souls that need to be healed. Thank you that you can touch that and you can heal that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Come when you're ready to take communion.